All right, everyone. Good evening. I'm sorry for being a little late. <clears throat> we are continuing a discourse we were learning for the last two weeks. And I don't want to leave it hanging in the middle, and, it, and really the, so much of the punchline is at the very end. So I would like to finish it. Um, tonight's class is in honor of the Elias Neshama, the Elevation of the Soul, of Chaim Hirsch ben Avram Moshe. May his Neshama have a very great Aliyah. May his soul ascend to the greatest heights. May he channel lots and blessings to, uh, to all of us and to his family in particular. Give a lot of, a lot of bracha and a lot of, a lot of good, good things. He was a very, very, very special man. I just met him a year before he passed away, but we became dear, dear friends in that short time. He was 103 years old then. We got a good connection, and, and he made me very happy, and I made him pretty happy, and together it was very special. He passed away three years ago, tonight. And so I want to dedicate this class to him. Also, tonight's class was dedicated... Tonight's class was dedicated by, let's figure this out over here, one second, Rabbi Avram Plotkin, over here, his mother's yard site is going to be on Monday, her name is Yente Basnachem. So Yanta Basnachem should have a very great alias neshama to the greatest of heights. And lots and lots of bracha to you, Rabbi Avram, and your family, children, grandchildren, nachas, happiness, and parnasa barachav, and only, only good things. Thank you so much for this dedication. Now we are ready to learn. Um, we're holding by chapter 11. That's a good chapter to be holding by chapter 11. This is in the discourse, Pada B'Shalom Nafshi, on page Kufchav Gimel. Let me just recap what we learned for those who weren't here. If you listened to the Monday night classes of not this week, but the last two weeks, you kind of have an idea of what the main, the main, the main concepts of this discourse we were learning how there are three stages in the progression of godliness in this world. Three levels in the uh, how Hashem's light um, is facilitated or manifests. I shouldn't say Hashem's light, how Hashem manifests in the creation. Um, we're coming from the level of complete, from a stage of complete retreat, where God completely retreats into himself, away from the creation, thereby letting the creation be a godless entity. And through the efforts of the human being, and primarily the efforts of the Jewish people, in the observance of the Torah and in the mitzvahs, 
we draw Hashem's light back into the world deeper and stronger and stronger and stronger. We keep on advancing until we reach the climax of it, and it's the completion of it, which we're holding right now, ready to enter that time of that completed state, which is the time of Mashiach. And at the time of Mashiach, the job has been done in filling this world with God's presence. Now, inasmuch as we fill the world with the presence of Hashem, to that degree, we diminish and we rid the world of all unholiness, of all evil, of all negativity, of all impurity. So one versus the other. The greater the advance, the more infusion of Kedusha, the more the retreat of the unholy. So we learned that there were three general stages in that progression of divine entry, godly light into the world. Three general stages. Stage number one was during the Mishkan, when Moshe Rabbeinu took the Jewish people out of Egypt. The Torah was given. Obviously, understand, that was an incredible display of God's might, power, and energy in the world. And it wasn't only momentarily, it was actually captured down here and remained with us in the, in the Mishkan, in the tabernacle that, that joined us during the period of time that were 40 years in the desert. Then it was translated into a tabernacle that was built in the land of Israel, in, in Eretz Yisrael, in Shiloh for so many years. And finally, finally, we come to the next stage, which is in, when we build the temple in Jerusalem and Yerushalayim. So the first stage, which is the Mishkan stage, over there you have a powerful presence of God within the world. And the influence that it had on the unholy was that wherever the Mishkan traveled, wherever the Ark of Glory traveled, together with the tablets, together with the Torah, with the Luchos, with Moshe, Aaron, and the, all the 600,000 Jewish souls that were present, it was so powerful and so strong that it caused the unholy to run for their life. So the Klippa was on the run. And that's why we say, when we open up, whenever we open up the Torah, the Ark to take out the Torah, we say, Vayibin Soa Aaron, it was when the Aaron was traveling, Vayoma Moshe, Moshe would announce, Kuma Hashem, get up God, Vayofutu Avecha, may your enemies disperse. So these enemies are spiritual forces of darkness, which later translate into evil in this world. That's the final manifestation of it, but it has its spiritual sources up there in heaven. When we marched with this holy Aaron, they went running. So this was the first powerful display of Kedusha in this world. That is called, however, and that, that is powerful, but not the all-powerful. For In a certain sense, God's power in this world was still limited, even though his enemies were running from him, meaning everything that wants to obscure, block, and fight the holy in the world is escaping, is running, and running for its life. But the mere fact that God has to travel in the wilderness, which is the place where these people reside, where these entities, where these forces nest, their nest is in the wilderness, in the place in a barren, empty land. The mere fact that God had to travel through the Arabian desert, full of snakes and scorpions, and all kind of, not, a place, not a, a place of human habitat, in order to get the, that which is that, that the enemy on the run, is a sign that, the, that there's a certain limited power to Hashem that in order to destroy his enemies, he has to enter into their territory. The next state which we advanced to, which was a, 
which was a, a, a greater manifestation of godly light, was in the days of King Solomon, when Shlomo HaMelech built the base of Mikdash. And as we learned in the discourse, this progression of godly light becoming forever stronger and stronger and stronger as a result of the mitzvot that we were doing and the good deeds that we were doing and the Torah that we studied is, is reflected in the moon. Because the moon represents um, the Jewish people. The moon represents the presence of God in this world, what we call malchus, the attribute of kingship of God. God's the feminine element of Hashem that is, which, that is invested in creation. The Shekhinah light is first very, very dim. When God created the world, He dims the light of the Shekhinah incredibly. And then He begins, begins the process of illuminating the Shekhinah light, and that's the idea of the moon becoming, a moon is first dark, and then the moon begins to receive the sunlight. So as, as it each day in the month progresses, the moon gets brighter and brighter and brighter. That means there's more divine light within the world. So when Abraham, Avram, started to reveal godliness in the world, that was considered the first, the first day of the new month, meaning a little bit of moon of light on the moon. It progressed for 15 generations, and when it reached its peak on the 15th generation, that was when King Solomon built the temple, Shlomo Melech built the temple, in the base in, in, in Yerushalayim, we had a display, a full moon. God's light was fully manifest, far more than in the desert, far greater than during the Mishkan. And so that, that's actually connected to this week's parsha too, in which we find a c- confrontation between Yehuda and Yosef. So in the Hasidic discourses, it discusses that Yehuda and Yosef represent Mishkan and Beis Amikdash. Yosef is representing the idea of the Mishkan, because Yosef means to add on. So Yosef is compared to a tree, to a plant. A plant grows, it's mosif, it adds to itself. It grows, it develops. The Mishkan in the, in the Beis Amigdash was primarily made up of, of trees, of, of wood. Most of the Mishkan was made of wood, and that was the, the, the walls of the Mishkan were wooden planks covered with gold, but they were made out of wood, and the roof was made out of animal. Animal hide, animal, animal, uh, animal hair, goat's hair, and the like. So the Mishkan was made of, the, of, of vegetation and above, primarily. The Beis Amikdash was made up of stone. There wasn't allowed to be any wood in the base of Mikdash, only stone. Now we know stone is inanimate. And inanimate is far inferior to a plant that has life and grows. So it would seem like the Mishkan is superior to the base of Mikdash. But as is always the story with Torah, and especially when you learn the inner Torah, Everything is flipped upside down. The lowest is really rooted in the highest. So the, the mineral and the inanimate is really rooted, is the, is the ultimate vessel for God's essence. So therefore what was able to be revealed in the tabernacle was a lesser level, was more God's expressions were revealed over there, but not the essence of Hashem. The essence of God was revealed in a temple 
made out of stone. Because stone represents total surrender, total nullification. Um, um, plant represents growth, development, understanding, expansion, which involves, to some degree, somewhat of a self. A person is into themselves, developing themselves. Yes, in a good way, in a very spiritual way, but you're into yourself. The ultimate experience of God comes when there is pure silence. When one totally not is be, has suspended their being completely and allows God's truth to shine and to reveal itself, himself in the person, and you are totally non there's, there's nothing of a person's own beingness and limit there to limit it. Okay? So that's the Beis Amigdash. And that's why the Beis Amigdash is associated with Yehuda. Yehuda comes from the word to submit, to surrender. So if you look in, in general, you look at Yosef's life. This is not the discussion. I'm just bringing it because I want to connect it to the parasha. Um, if you look at Yosef's life, you see he was a man of constant progression and growth and passing every test in flying colors. He's the man of like, wow. Right? He, he, in his life, he's, he goes through a lot of hardship, but he's always moving to the top. He's always... Yehuda is a different story. He's the king, but on the other hand, he has some story that is not seeming to be the, the nicest story. And Yehuda has to... Uh, and at the end, he has to admit, and he submits to God, surrender, right? So he admits to his failures... Yehuda is a man of bittel. The word Yehuda comes from the word hoda'ah. Hoda'ah means surrender, nullification, and bittel. Who is the one who builds the Beis Amigdash? The Beis Amigdash was built by the descendants of Yehuda, Shlomo Melech. Because the Beis Amigdash was a greater godliness than the godliness of the Mishkan. So, how did it... In what sense was the Beis Amigdash facilitating a higher expression, a deeper expression of God than the Mishkan? So the idea is that in the, in the time of the Mishkan, godliness was doing battle with the unholy. Holy and the unholy were wrestling with each other, as we discussed earlier. The Jews had to travel through the desert to chase the, to chase the unholy Klippa away. In the days of Shlomo Melech, the way his, the era of King Solomon is described is a time of menucha. Menucha means tranquility, peace and tranquility. A time of calmness when there is no war. That's why Shlomo built, King David wasn't allowed to build the base of Middash because he had too much blood in his hands. Shlomo Melech was going to build the base of Middash. Why? A man of peace. What's the idea of peace? Peace is that Shlomo Melech's Renown, his fame, his power, his wisdom was so famous. It was so world, world, uh, it was world renowned that no one would dare fight him. Even though essentially there were still anti Semites in the world and there were those who didn't like, uh, that were anti gods and, and goodness, uh, there was still evil in the world, but they had no power even to raise their voice wherever they were they were completely muted without even Shlomo Melech having to go anywhere and what that means really is Shlomo Melech wasn't his power he's sitting on God's throne God's kingship is coming through him 
It means that Hashem's power was so obvious and so powerful and so pronounced in the world to the point that no one can even fight him. That's the menuch. So that's the second stage. Now, to add to that, not only wasn't there a war against holiness in the days of the Beis Amigdash and the days of Shlomo Melech, but as we learned in the discourse, there was actually an attraction. Holiness was attracting and converting that which was once unholy. So not only wasn't there any clashing with Kedusha, wasn't there a war going on, quite on the contrary, there were the, those that were once enemies were becoming transformed into allies. How do you see that? In the days of Shlomo Melech, people from across the world that generally you would not expect them to come to Jerusalem, to come to a Jewish rabbi to study. But by Shlomo Melech, the people from Egypt, from Alexandria, from Greece, from all across the world came to study. By who? By King Solomon, including the Queen of Ethiopia, Queen Sheba. People came and they converted. That conversion represents the idea that that which was once unholy was now conceding, not only conceding, but being transformed into holiness. Because, again, when holiness is so strong, it serves as a powerful magnet. It can pull the sparks from distant and from far. However, that was not yet the completed state, even though it was the 15th day of the month, which the moon was kind of in full, full glow, which represent that the world, Malchus, the Shekhinah, was in her full glory, in her full light, yet, still something lacking. You see, after that, the light starts dwindling, God's light starts being again diminished in this world, the forces of unholiness, and the forces of darkness, start gaining strength back again, like we see, eventually, Rome, first Babylon, and then Rome, destroys the temple, the world again is plunged into horrific darkness and abuse and suffering and evil, evil monarchies, evil kings, evil governments, persecutions, suffering, taking advantage of the, of the defenseless across the world. Horrible what was going on for thousands of years. But the purification continues silently, quietly. The Jewish people amongst us all continue to study Torah, continue to doing mitzvahs in the midst of the most unspeakable persecutions. And yet we make our way through and we're still purifying and purifying. And then as times go by, we start seeing the effects of that purification in the world. Start seeing the effects. But when, when Mashiach will come, expecting any day, then it's going to be the ultimate light in the Shekhinah and as a result of that, the ultimate expression of God in the world. What is going to happen then different than Shlomo HaMelech? So let's take a look at what was lacking in the days of Shlomo HaMelech. In the days of Shlomo HaMelech, there were those that were inspired to come to Shlomo. But who was inspired to come to Shlomo? People that you would, able, you would be able to kind of guess that one day, that, they, that it's possible to inspire them. In other words, they, when, when they, even before they came, they were spiritual seekers, there were people that were, had a little certain sensitivities that can be sensitive to something something to something refined, to something elegant, to something, to wisdom. Sometimes you see people that are, they, they, they love hearing anything. They love to, to learn, they love to study, they want inf- knowledge, they're looking, they, they're searching. There are people that are searching. 
Then there's that person that are people that are so dense and so coarse that all a person can think of is only his, his or her physical material um, pleasures and enjoyments. And there's never anything that you can take them with. Something to... Because they're not, they're not open to anything. So when we say that in Shlomo HaMelech, people came to him, who were these people that came? These were seekers across the world that came to him. So even though up until this point, they were, they were seeking elsewhere, they were seeking amongst the Buddhists, they were seeking in, in, in various different pagan whatever cultures or rituals and stuff like that, but still they were looking. It says that one of the reasons, it says an interesting vart, it says about Avram Avinu, that before Avram recognized God, he, he, was a, he was a very, very serious, as a little boy, he was very, very serious about worshipping the gods. You see, only someone who's very serious about worshipping the gods, he's looking, he's looking, he's a searcher. And that's itself is, is part of your journey. But he had to search, he had to look. So of course you're going to make mistakes until you find the right one, but you're looking. So there are people that are searching. When a person is searching, they're on the track. The problem is when you have people that are not searching for anything. So Shlomo Melech was able to touch those, the seekers. In Kabbalistic terminology it says, Shlomo Melech was able to touch and affect the sparks of holiness that are scattered around the world, but not all sparks. The sparks that are still shining, they were just trapped in an unholy trapping, but they ha- they're still sh- these sparks are still, they're still burning. But sometimes it says there is a situation where the sparks of holiness are, have actually been already extinguished and there's no more light. Even though in essence it's still a spark, but it's been extinguished. I mean, there's no, there's no identifiable holiness there at all. It's gone. Those sparks cannot, usually when you take a spark and you put it next to fire, what happens? It's attached to the fire. But it can only attach itself to the fire as long as the spark is still a spark, a glowing spark. Once the the spark is extinguished, what is going to be attracted? There's nothing to be extracted. So when, when, when there there are sadly such a possibility that there are points of energy that have fallen within to the, into the creation, which is, because ultimately everything has to have a, 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 crumb of, a crumb of God's energy to give it its sustenance and its light, but the energy itself has lost its connection to its source to the point that it itself loses all sense of the divine. And it becomes just dead, and just material, and just earth. Those sparks could not be affected by Shlomo. The... That's the chidush of Mashiach. In the days of Mashiach, Mashiach is going to turn on not only those that are susceptible to being turn, turned on, Mashiach is going to turn on every human being and every being across the planet, even those that you wouldn't dream have any kind of sensitivity to any kind of anything higher than just material, physical, earth, earthy experiences. They too will seek a relationship with God because they too will inherently be transformed even deeper than that not only will Mashiach's light reach even what we might call the dead sparks not only will Mashiach's light even reach the dead sparks but Mashiach's light will actually affect not only the spark but the actual creations themselves not the energy that's within the creation to stimulate them but the actual creation itself because there's two things 
There is a divine power within everything. And those divine powers, some of them have become completely amputated from their source. But there's still a divine power that has somehow gone dead. But it's still something of divinity. But then there is the actual creation itself. It's just a creation. That, Shlomo HaMelech definitely didn't touch, didn't affect. If anything, he tickled the sparks. Once the sparks were excited, the people, the hosts of the sparks, also came along. And it's interesting, when they came, they didn't even know why they're coming. They thought they're coming to hear wisdom. But the spark was coming because it was drawn to its source. You see, there's a differentiation. There's the conscious and the subconscious. The subconscious is the spark being pulled. The conscious is, oh, let's go hear some great scientific breakthroughs of Shlomo. Let's go hear some great wisdom, some great philosophy from Shlomo. But, but they're being drawn. So, but again, who is he pulling? He's pulling the sparks. Mashiach is going to cause a fundamental, a fundamental um, paradigm shift in all of existence where suddenly all of existence is going to have a certain awareness of God that's just going to be so essential and fundamental. Not God as some spiritual light of bliss and ecstasy, but God as reality, as the reality of realities. And God is going to be as concrete as the concreteness of the physical. It's that concreteness, it's that, it's, it's, it just is the basic is of everything is going to experience itself within the is of God Himself. It's a whole different story. Because in the days of Mashiach, the essence of God is revealed in Malchus. Not, as we're going to see, the lights of Hashem. When that happens, there is a radical trans- a transformation, an essential metamorphosis in all of existence and in all of all, all beingness, in its core consciousness of self. And it's going to reach everything from the highest to the high to the lowest of the low equally. It's almost like now there's a certain numbness that we're not being aware of ourselves, of what we really are. We're just like detached from something. And when Mashiach comes, that, shh, that numbness, it's like when you go to the dentist and you're numb for a few, for a few hours and suddenly an hour or two later or whatever, you're... The, the numbness wears off and you're back to feeling your tongue and your mouth. So suddenly we're going to feel our tongue and our mouth. We're going to feel our reality. That's Moshiach. The essence revealed. And that's going to transform all of creation simultaneously. And what that is going to do is that evil and klipan and holiness inherently will be gone. Will, not be, will, will have no existence. What at all? The Ruach HaTumah, as it says, That's Moshiach. Now we learned, okay, so leading on to this. Now let's just put a Kabbalistic formula to these three levels of light shining in Malchus. And once we put a Kabbalistic formula to them, then we'll continue inside. Okay? The three, the three, the three levels were the time of Moshe Rabbeinu, during the time of the Mishkan, that was the first manifestation of godly light in Malchus, which we're gonna, I'm gonna explain in a minute what that is considered. But that w- in that state, holiness and the unholy were battling with each other. That's why the Jews had to travel in the midbar to subdue the forces of unholiness. The king had to go to the enemy's territory to, to get him to run. 
The second stage is the days of Shlomo Melech, where holiness is so powerful, the mere mention of the holy causes, causes the unholy to run. You don't have to come there to destroy it. Shlomo Melech didn't leave his palace, he didn't wage any wars. His presence was so strong, God's presence in the world was so strong. That's the second stage. Third stage, Moshiach, which is going to transform all of existence. Not just that which is sensitive, but everything is going to be transformed. And not only will evil be silenced, but evil won't exist anymore. Inherently gone. Okay? These three stages are depending on what is revealed in Malchus. Because Malchus is the source of creation. Malchus is called the attribute of kingship of God, the last and final kingship, what is revealed in Malchus. So, we learned earlier, that the three, past, the three are as follows. There is one level in Malchus called Tzedakah, the second level in Malchus is called Ashirus, and the third level of Malchus is called Chesed. So what does it mean? Tzedakah, Ashirus, and Chesed. Tzedakah means you're giving, what is Tzedakah? Tzedakah means charity, and charity means to give to the poor. To give to the one that doesn't have. So physically we give to people who don't have money, we don't, people who don't have what to eat, people don't have where to sleep, right? a home, a house, clothing. So you provide for the, for the needy, that's tzedakah. But as we physically give tzedakah, we cause a spiritual tzedakah to happen in the higher realms. Our world, including the mother of our world, which is the Shekhinah, does, which is compared to the moon, doesn't have any light on her own. She's called a dal. She's poor. And our avoda is to give her tzedakah. Whenever you're adding light to the Shekhinah, however, how much are you obligated to give tzedakah? When you have a, let's say, you're living in a place, there's no poor people. And you have Baruch Hashem, decent amount of tzedakah piled up that you'd like to give, but there's no one to uh, receive. Thank God. Suddenly a poor, or someone arrives, someone who's needy. So you're happy, you have, a, you, have a, you have an opportunity to give tzedakah. How much tzedakah you're obligated to give to this person? So the halacha is, no, that's how much percent of your money. But now let's say your 10% is a million dollars. Does that mean that you have to, because you have 10 million. Does that mean that you have to give him a million? He's not looking for a million. Never asked for you for a million. Doesn't even know what to do with a million. So what do you do? So you have to give him what his needs are. That's the law in halacha. The pasuk it's, it's 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 derived from a from a scriptural verse from a verse in the pasuk. It says clearly you have to give him pesachte and you have to give him dai machsoiroi enough for what he is lacking. You give him what he is lacking. So the sages learn out an interesting thing. What he is lacking, whatever his need is, whatever he's accustomed to, that's what it is. It's not, you can't, it's no, it's every person according to what they were used to. A person who was a wealthy person and used to live a very plush life and comfortable, you have to provide him with, if you have the means, and it's not like there's other 10 other people online, there's no one else there, and you have the means, yes, go ahead, give him whatever he needs. If he's used to driving a Cadillac, you give him that too, because that's what he's used to. He's really uncomfortable just in a, in a, in a whatever, in a, in a Buick. He needs a, a Cadillac. So you're, you're obligated to give it to him because what he's used to. The sages say, someone is used to having a servant running in front of him, a, a horse running in front of him, and a, a, a horse to ride on, and a, and a servant running in front, telling everybody so-and-so is coming. 
If he's used to it, that's what you have to give. But you don't have to make him rich. So what do you see over here? That what does wealth mean? Wealth means that you have more than what you need. As long as whatever it is that you need is, is, is something that you need, necessity is not wealth. And then, of course, the more a person can, get, can spoil himself and herself, that they have a much bigger need. Or think about that. That really just means that you're just making yourself more need. So you're more impoverished, really. But whatever it is, good. Whatever it is that's need is need, but you don't have to make the person rich. Tzedakah does not require you to give the person wealth. Follow? Tzedakah doesn't require. So, how does that manifest in the spiritual realms? Malchus the Shechina became impoverished. She, she's, she's needy. How much does she need? She's very uncomfortable. Because she became disconnected. When God sent the Shechina down, so to speak, to create the world, the Shechina becomes the soul and the energy within the world, the Shechina lost her light. She was severely diminished. That's hinted to in the idea that God made the moon smaller than the sun. That concept means that the light of the Shechina was dimmed. We discussed it in the earlier classes because if the Shechina would be in her full brightness, which means she would be fully attached to God and experiencing all the truths of the divine of God, she couldn't possibly be the power within creation because she would overwhelm the creation with her knowledge of God. And we would be too much and too overwhelmed with God's reality, we couldn't possibly exist as people, as entities other than Hashem. So therefore Hashem diminished the light of the Shekhinah, and we learned, I'm not going to go into it, to explain it now, that Hashem took away from the Shekhinah five parts of Him. Hashem dimmed her light on five levels. He diminished the Kesar light from her, He diminished the Chachma light from her, the Bina light from her, the light of the Ze'er Anpin of the six emotions, and finally God even diminished her own inner soul, he disconnected her from her own inner soul. Even the Malchus light became extinguished in the Shekhinah. The part of the Shekhinah that goes down to create the world is disconnected even from the light of the Shekhinah as it is up there. That's how. So now the Shekhinah becomes very needy. The Shekhinah needs every mitzvah. Do you realize how that is? You realize when you're giving, you're literally having mercy on the Shekhinah, like, like you're giving a dollar to a poor person who's hungry. When you're doing a mitzvah, you're actually, the Shekhinah is impoverished. You're giving her light. Now, how much does she need? Restoring all the light that she lost when God created the world, that's her need. And those are those five parts of him. Getting her back the light of Malchus. Giving her light the, back the light of the Ze'er Anpin. Giving her even back the light of Bina. Giving her even light the light of, of Chachma. And even the light of Keser. It's not called wealthy, it's just making her comfortable. That's what she once had, that's what you have to give her back. And that was in the days of Moshe Rabbeinu. The light of the Shekhinah was restored to her previous state where she was before Hashem invested her and dimmed her light into the creation. Okay, fine. However, in the days of Shlomo Melech, we ratcheted up a few levels. What happened? Instead of just having the light of tzedakah, now, when the moon was full, the, the full moon represented a time when the Shekhinah was not only comfortable, the Shekhinah was wealthy. She, she experienced affluence. What's affluence? 
Affluence is when you have more than what you need. Spiritually, what does that mean? Something above and beyond what you once had and you require. It's just extra. So what is considered extra? Extra to the Shekhinah means you give her the light that's not, that doesn't have any relationship to the creation. As we spoke, early, we spoke in the earlier classes, it means you, in, you allow the Shekhinah to taste the infinite light of Keser. Even though we said earlier that Keser is part of the five lights that were diminished from her. And thereby, by giving her the light of Keser of the crown, you're just giving her back what she once had, and now you're just restoring and giving her back. So what are we saying now that, no, the light of Keser is extra? The answer we learned is that in Keser, there is two levels. There is the lower level of Keser, which is called Ar- Arich, Erech Ampin. And there's the internal, the inside of Keser called Atik Yomin. Erech Anpin means the long face of God, and Atik Yomin means the ancient of days. I'm not going to go over this now to explain the difference what it is. I'm just going to say one idea about it. Erech Anpin is the light of Keser that's already a source for the Sfirot, which are the building blocks of creation. The attributes are God's powers through which He emanates to create the world. The source of these attributes within the infinite will of God, that source, even though it's infinite and above these attributes, has its being that it's a source for those attributes, is considered that it has, in a very subtle way, some kind of a relationship to the creation. And therefore, when Malchus doesn't experience this, she's lacking, she's lacking some of her light, because she represents the creation. She's lacking something that has a relationship to her, so therefore she's missing on it. So she's still poor. So Erech Anpin is considered giving, when, when, you, when you reveal the Erech Anpin to, to the Shekhinah, you, you haven't made her rich yet. You've only given her what she needs. However, Atik Yomen is that inner element of the Ein Sof, the, inf, the, the Or Ein Sof, the infinite light of God, that is not yet even the tiniest source for a creation. The word atik means removed. The God's infinite light that is not a source for the finite emanations, for the spherot, for the attributes to come forth. And this transcendental infinite light, when this is revealed in Malchus, when this is revealed in the Shekhinah, that's called wealth. And that was revealed in the days of Shlomo HaMelech. And because the light was infinite, it traveled across the whole world. And no one can oppose it. And sparks of holiness across the world were inspired by it. And people came to convert. It's all because it was affluence. And more than that, the Jewish people were very, very, very wealthy because the Shekhinah was very wealthy. So there was wealth in holiness. And it, and it trickled down in material, physical wealth. As the Pasuk says in, the, in Malachim, in, in, in Kings, in Malachim it says, that Shlomo HaMelech was so wealthy, Ein kasef nechshav leklum. Silver didn't have any value. That was, that's, how, that's, how, that's how wealthy people were. Silver was valueless. Okay. Now, the question is, what's going to be the revelation of Mashiach? If in the days of Shlomo HaMelech, 
We've had already wealth. What's more than wealth? So what's more than wealth, we learned in the Maimer, is called chesed. How do you know that chesed is higher than wealth? Chesed means kindness. Because the sages say that what's the difference between tzedakah and chesed? Tzedakah is only for the poor. But chesed you can give bein lani and bein lashirim to the poor and to the wealth. Now the physical meaning of that in the down-to-earth meaning is that usually when you say chesed, chesed means giving a loan. Gemilas chesed means really to loan people who need or to help someone or to give someone a loan. Tzedakah means you're giving charity. So you say like this, tzedakah is only when someone is needy. Uh, but but a, a loan, sometimes even a wealthy person needs, needs extra cash for his business. So he's taking a loan. So you can give it even for a rich person. That's the simple meaning. But then, according to that, the rich man is not, you're not really giving chesed to a rich man. Because at this moment, the rich man is lacking. He needs, for his business, he's, 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 he's strapped for cash right now. For whatever reason, for his business venture, for what he wants to do, he needs money. So in that sense, he's a poor man. He might be rich overall, but, but, but in this particular state, he's now poor. So the chesed is really also only to poor. But since the sages do say that chesed is both to a rich, to a poor, and to rich, you have to say that in essence, at least as it is in its spiritual source, the idea of chesed is that it's above wealth. That means even when you have perfect wealth and there's nothing lacking, one has endless wealth, there's nothing lacking at all, comes chesed, and chesed comes to give. And what does it give? It can't be, as we learned in the Mimer, it can't be you're giving more, more money, more wealth, because then if for whatever reason you can add to what was, that means that, that, means that, you're, <laughs> that, means that to the beginning there was, there was something that could be added to, so you weren't really rich. To be really rich means you have everything, Sheba, everything. Nothing lacking. And now I'm giving you something that by you not having this didn't in any way, didn't in any way compromise your wealth. So what is that? Oh, that's chesed. So chesed is above wealth. Wow. That's what the revelation of Mashiach is going to be. V'chasidecha yivarchucha. That's connecting it to the beginning of the Mimer. That the Hasidim, Chosid, Chesed, Yevarchu, are going to draw down from Chesed, we're Yevarchucha. What is Yevarchucha? Yevarchu Ko. They're going to bring down into Malchus, which is called Ko, 25, Chafhei. They're going to draw down what? The Hasid. They're going to bring Chesed light. What's Chesed light? Above wealth. But hold it. Malchus has already the infinite light. What more can you give? And the answer is, there is light and there is essence. And as much as light is concerned, in the days of Shlomo HaMelech, every level of revelation was revealed. Every level of godly light, even the infinite light of God, as it is higher and higher and higher and higher, all revealed. There was nothing lacking in Malchus, in the realms of revelation, of light. And that's why she was totally rich. It wasn't even possible to add more richness because it was complete. In the realms of wealth, what, what, but what is Moshiach going to add? That's chesed. And what's chesed? Chesed is, as we said, the revelation of the essence of God, not light. Now the essence of Hashem, 
and that we and, and, and in Kabbalistic terminology in the mimer, what did he say? That's called keser, but not. We said there is the external part of keser called erech ampin. That was there already in the days of Moshe Rabbeinu. Then there is the innermost of keser called atik yomin. And then there is this level called Pnimius Atik. The inner, inner element of the Atik, which is the pure Ein Sof, which we had learned in the last piece, in the last part of the Mimer, we learned primarily that which is shining in the first of the three heads of Resha Deloyes Galion of the head that's not revealed. Which is what we said, that's, that's, not, that's not a light, that's the pure manifestation of God's very, very essence that's revealed over there. That's the pure Ein Sof himself. Not the Or Ein Sof, not the light of the Ein Sof, but the Ein Sof itself. That is going to be revealed when Mashiach comes. That's called Pnimius Atik. And when that is revealed, as we're going to see soon, its impact is on the lowest, lowest elements of creation for them to be transformed. Now we're going to learn inside and see. This, now, see, till now we were learning the various different levels of what is revealed. And I also spoke already earlier how the, the higher dimension is revealed in Malchus, the deeper it's, a, it's affecting the world. Here he's explaining primarily this idea of how the difference of the days of Shlomo Melech and the days of Mashiach in terms of the light. So it's interesting. In Etz Chaim, from the Arizal, Chaim Vital, student of the Arizal. In Eitz Chaim, it talks about, it's called, there's a shar there, so it's amazing, it's amazing like what the Arizal spoke about. Like everything is. So there's a shar there, there's a portal called the diminishment of the moon. Shar miyotayareach. And he's basically talking about what has happened to Malchus, how she has fallen and fallen and fallen. It's the idea of the Shekhinah being in exile, darkness, suffering. We know that every, all the tsaris, all the problems, all suffering, all, every bit of darkness that we can imagine, internal darkness, external darkness, anything problematic in this creation in the world is all related to the idea that God made the moon small. That's why that Hashem made the moon small. That's why it says that Hashem asks on Rosh Chodesh, bring an atonement for me. There's one carbon in the temple. There was one sacrifice that we offered that it's an atonement for God. God said, I sinned by making the moon small. Whatever that means. So I need, I need, I'm apologizing basically for doing this. Because by making the moon small, I, I, I caused such a, dimini- such a distortion of consciousness, which allows for, all, for, all, for all, all, all darkness in this world. Okay, so in that Shar Miyatayareach, it's amazing, he discusses that Malchus is going to come out of the darkness in seven stages. And he speaks about that there are seven aliyos in Malchus. And he shows you how through history, Malchus is in a constant state of aliyah. The first was when Avram Avinu was born. And then at this point, and then at this point, all elevations of Malchus at the various different stages. Shlomo HaMelech's days, he says, is the sixth level of aliyah Samalchus. It's the sixth stage. Then he says, though, however, the ultimate Aliyah Samalchus is only going to be in the seventh, the seventh Aliyah, the seventh stage of elevation, and that's going to be, um, and that's going to be Mashiach's coming. Now, um, what is that? 
the ultimate aliyah samalchus is that what's revealed in her is pnimius atik yomen. The inner, innermost of the crown is revealed in malchus. And when the inner, inner, innermost of the crown is revealed in malchus, then you have what? Then you have what? Then you have Mashiach, and then you have you completed everything. I'll throw something at you right now. The inner, inner, innermost of mouth of the keter, of the inner, innermost of Atik Yoman, of the essence, being revealed in Malchus, which is the lowest, sounds like a very like, whoa, what's that? It happens here every Thursday night. The Rebbe says in the end of the Mimer that spreading the Mayonois Chutzah, when you take the wellsprings of Hasidus and you bring the spring itself outside, not just a little water from the spring, but you take the entire spring itself and you bring it outside, Chutzah, outside, so you're taking innermost of the crown, Pnimi is Atik, because that's where Hasidus comes from. These teachings come from. And being that it's understood where? Outside. Hollywood is pretty much outside. Very far from a cave in Svat, where the Arizal was teaching these teachings. Very far in time and nature and all. And that's it. So I'm saying, when we talk about this, like, oh, this is what we do. This, this is what happens. This is this Hamshacha, and this is what causes Mashiach's coming. Not, not, this is what brings about that this, should, that this should manifest in the whole world. When, 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 but this just to understand the importance of, of what we do over here when we're learning. Any case, a Mavur Ba'amaymer is explained in the Ma'am. We're holding Perik Yud Aleph. That's on page Kufchav Gimel. Everybody can look inside. That through this, that in the future, the, the drawing forth is going to be from the innermost of Atik, which is the innermost of, it's the innermost of the innermost of the Ein Sof. Ein Sof, it's the Ein Sof, it's the infinite light. Sheber Radla, Radla stands for Reisha Deloyaz Galia, the head that's not revealed, which is the head in, in Keser, it's the it's the um, kes it's the chachma shebekes is chachma this keser chachma bina in in attic. This is the keser of attic, and in there is as we said earlier is the essence of of, of the ain sof itself manifest. which is much higher than that which was drawn into malchus during the days of Shlomo. Um, when Mashiach will come, what is that going to do? Not, that's not going to create a greater transcendence, a greater light up there. The higher the light that you're drawing into Malchus, the lower the light reaches. This draws down the light to a much lower plane in existence. So first he's going to explain it Kabbalistically. And then you're going to see how beautiful it's translated through Hasidus outside of the words of Kabbalah and it's translated just into reality. 
כדאיסא בעץ חיים, אצא זה נעץ חיים, שבעליאס המלכוס יש זין מדרגס. That in the ascent of Malchus, there are seven levels in Malchus' ascent. In the days of Shloima Melech was the sixth elevation. It's interesting, this Mimer only discusses three general stages. In Eitz Chaim, he divides it into seven stages of elevation. Mashiach will come, Tia Madrega Hazayin. It's going to be the seventh elevation. And it sounds like it's like, a, it's like the idea of the earthquake, the earth um, shaking. Because we know that the distance on an earthquake this, between a one and a two, or two and a three, three and a four, each one becomes like much greater. The difference between a, a seven-point earthquake and an eight-point earthquake is like <laughs> astronomical. The difference between an eight and a nine is, is even larger because it gets higher and higher. So it seems like all the aliyahs that happened in the beginning, six of them, till Shlomo HaMelech. And from Shlomo HaMelech till now, which is the entire period of Shlomo HaMelech, and then all the time of the first temple, and then the destruction of the first temple, then the second temple, and then the thousands of years of exile, we haven't made it yet to the seventh. So the distance seems to be, this climb, it seems to be much bigger than all the other climbs that we had to do. And what is this? What's the difference between the sixth elevation and the... When you have the sixth elevation, here close, this is so important. The revelation in Malchus, Malchus becomes full of light, but only the nine higher spheros of Malchus are illuminated with that light. That means Malchus has herself Every attribute has, ten, has all the attributes inside of her. So there is Chachma Sheba Malchus, Bina Sheba Malchus, all the way down to Malchus Sheba Malchus. So during the days of Shlomo Melech, as great as the revelation was, Malchus was all lit up, like the Empire Staple Ding, Empire, right? All lit up, besides the bottom floor. Everything was lit up, from top to bottom, but not the bottom floor. Meaning, Malchus of Malchus was not lit up. Va'ad, how far did the revelation go down into Malchus? How far did this light penetrate into Malchus? Ad lebechinas yesod sheba. It illuminated all the way the element of yesod that's in Malchus. But, va'hagiloi b'malchus dimalchus, but the revelation. Now, the problem, however, is, what do you say then? That only the nine elements of Malchus were shining, but not the tenth. It didn't, it didn't reach down into the lowest part of Malchus, into the tenth, Malchus Sheba Malchus. However, not really. Because what are we saying in the days of Shlomo Melech? In the days of Shlomo Melech, we are looking at the moon, and we see the moon is completely lit up. You see, why is the moon only partially lit? The moon only partially lit means only certain sections of Malchus are receiving the light. Understand? The reason why the first day the moon is Soma, it means that Malchus is being illuminated, but only the Chachma of Malchus is receiving the light. Only the Bina of Malchus is receiving the light. It's like a person goes to a class. I'll give you an example of what this means practically. It's like a person goes to a class, and you have illumination in your mind. The ideas are so rich, but it's not touching your heart. It's only reaching, one, it's only reaching your higher self. It's not reaching your lowest. Then it's possible you go to a class, 
And it's so exciting. It's filling your mind with light. It's actually getting your heart on fire. Now you're emotionally filled with that light. Your emotions feel this, the light. And some, but it's not reaching into your behavior. It's not like it's going to translate into holy behavior or inspired behavior tomorrow. It's just it's going to die chas v'shalem, in, the, in the emotion and it's not going to continue in. Sometimes it's like weird that it's, it's, it's sweeping through your entire being. It's reaching into action. That action is infused with the new energy, right? So when you look at the moon, you can actually see that. When you have, now, if you have a full moon, what does a full moon mean? Which it was by the days of Shlomo Melech. The Zohar says, the moon was completely full. Malchus, the, 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 the worlds were receiving all the light of God. There was, there was no section. So that seems to imply that the 10th level, which is Malchus of Malchus, was also illuminated. Now if Malchus of Malchus was also illuminated, so why are we saying over here it only reached nine? So he's explaining, really there was a revelation in Malchus of Malchus as well. However, the Malchus of Malchus received the light, but how did she receive the light? She received the light by, by the Malchus becoming attached to the Yesod. Not Malchus as Malchus is descending down, it's as Malchus is, the Malchus of the Malchus is in a state of incorporation in her source. It's like in a human being, it didn't reach the feet as the feet are down, but as the feet were held up. As you bring your feet up in like a, uh, uh, what is it called, like a, a what? A fetal position or something like that, your feet are being brought up, that's when the feet were illuminated. Malchus of Malchus was, but Dafka, as she was connecting it to the Yesoid, as we'll soon see that, it, this, what seems to be such a pure Kabbalistic idea, has such a practical understanding, as we'll see in a moment. But when Mashiach will come in the seventh level, the revelation in Malchus is going to be so strong, it's going to penetrate all the attributes. Even in Malchus, in Malchus, as she is in her own place. She doesn't have to rise into the Yesod to receive that revelation. She, in her own place, has that light. Like he explains, look, look at 61, footnote 61. siara Musa. The proof that there was light even in Malchus of Malchus. So the Rebbe says in the bottom, in the, in the footnote. Because when the moon, when the moon is, um, has its full light, So the revelation has to re- reach even in the five lower attributes of Malchus all the way down. Which includes even the Malchus of Malchus. So then what is lacking? In the days of Shlema, the revelation of Malchus, in Malchus, of Malchus, it was Malchus the way Malchus was being incorporated in the Yesod of Malchus. That's what it says in the Rebbe Rashab's Mimer, Hemshech Tov Reishayim Beis, okay. So now, let's, now he's going to explain it. What does that mean? He continues in the discourse. Again, the, this discourse that is being said over here is based on a discourse that was said 102 years ago by the Rebbe Rishab. 
the difference of these two aliyos of Malchus. Aliyah havav shebiyamei shloima. The the sixth aliyah that it was in the days of shloima. Aliyah hazayin shetiyah lo'asid lavoi. And the seventh elevation that's going to be only when Mashiach comes, which is considered the seventh elevation, the highest elevation, is not only, say, simply we're discussing, is it in the, is it going down all the way to the bottom floor of Malchus, or is it only reaching almost to the bottom, but not all the way to the bottom? Yeah, but what is it going to translate? It's going to translate as how much our world feels that light. That, that's what it's going to depend on. If the revelation is only in the Yisod element of Malchus, but not in Malchus of Malchus, it is sensed in this world, but it is only sensed in those sparks that are still sensitive. That's the, that's the difference. When the light is shining in the Yisod element of Malchus, but not in Malchus of Malchus, it's not penetrating into the concrete substance of creation. It's penetrating, it's tickling all the sparks that are, that are ticklish still. You know what I'm saying? All the sparks that still can be tickled by this, they have still sensation to them, godly sensation. They can suddenly feel, oh, something is something is, is vibrating, something is pulling, something is something is going on. They can sense it and they're, and they're inspired. Because, why? Because the revelation is where? The revelation is in Yisoyed of Malchus, which takes a certain connectivity to sense it. When the revelation reaches Malchus of Malchus, it reaches rock bottom. It reaches into the very earth itself and into the very earthiness of earth. And therefore, everything is transformed, as we're going to see. So there in the Maimer, he says, it's also in regards to the sparks that fell down. What does that mean? To understand the idea. Because let's first understand what's the difference of the Yesod of Malchus and Malchus of Malchus. These are two different elements in Malchus. In Shechina, there are two elements in Shechina. There is Yesod of Malchus and there is Malchus of Malchus. What's the difference of them? The Yesoid de Nukva, who is Kashrus HaMakabel Behamashpia. Yesod, let's explain it this way. Yesod always means bonding. Yesod means the power to bond. Yosef, we're learning all about Yosef. Yosef is the element of Yesod. He is the power to connect. Um, now, there is two Yesod. There's the, the Yesod of the man... And there is the Yesod of the woman. Translating that into psychology, the Yesod of the man is the Yesod of the Mashpia of the teacher, which is the ability of the teacher to focus in on their student and to feel the student. To be a good teacher, it's not about having information. It's a lot of people who have a lot of information, but they're not good teachers. And the reason is they just don't have the ability to sense the audience sense the student's mind. They can't connect. It's lacking that connection. And as a result of that, they just can't... Because when you're teaching, you have to really, really be able to sense the recipient's brain and, the re- and be able to like speak into them. It takes that. So yeah. Just like there is a yesod 
in the, just like there, there is a quality in being a teacher, there is a quality in being a student. Not everybody can be a good student. A good student is a student that is able to connect to the brain of the teacher. Actually connect. and Make that bond. Make that connection. And when they make that connection, they can sense. They sense the teacher. They sense that, that, the, the, the ideas. And they, they, it has to do with a certain being able to forget everything else, to push everything else together, not to have a busy mind. Sometimes people sit down by a class and they have a very busy mind. The mind is racing. And every time they hear something, they're right away making a thousand associations. And that's, the, that's detrimental to learning. You can't learn that way. You hear, you hear a bit, but right away your mind is racing. And you're not hearing. It's the ability to carry yourself completely away from everything and to completely attach yourself to the teacher that you only hear what is being said and you're focusing and you can receive. That's the idea of that's the idea of the yesod of the makabal, of the recipient. So there's the yesod of the mashpia, the ability to connect to the student, and there's the yesod of the mashpia means the influencer, the makabal means the influence, the one that's receiving the influence. So they both have a yesod. So malchus is what? Malchus is the world, malchus is the recipient, malchus is the creation. What's the yesod of malchus then? It's the element of Malchus where Malchus is attaching itself higher to receive the light of God. Malchus is Malchus is the the what Malchus is one of the divine attributes. And what what does Malchus serve? It takes all the light of Hashem, all the energy, and it and it transmits it into the creation. It's imbuing it into the creation. Malchus is the power of, of Hashem's speech. So in speech you have two things. In speech, you have the words receiving the thoughts, receiving the emotions, receiving the intellect. And then there are the words actually leaving the, the, uh, the, the speaker and being transmitted to the one who is hearing and going into the other. So there's two parts to it. So Malchus has a part which she's receiving from above and she has another lower part which she's going down. So Yisotchem and Malchus is Malchus' ability to receive from higher. Malchus Sheba Malchus is Malchus is imbuing her energy and her power into the, into the creation. So look at, look at these words. The Yesod de Nukva who is Kashrus HaMakabal Baha It's the connection of the recipient Malchus to the Mashpia, which in this case is the Ze'er Anpin. This week's Parsha again. Yehuda connecting to Yosef. Vayigash Elav Yehuda is Yesod of Malchus. You see how we learn everything has a connection. Mamish, the parsha is Vayigash. Vayigash, Yehuda is Malchus. Yosef is Yesod. Vayigash, Elov Yehuda, is Yehuda activating his Yesod, Sheba Malchus, to receive. He says, I'm open. Biadoini. That's what he says. Vayoimer, what does he say? Biadoini, pour into me. I need light, teach. Say Amaimer, give. That's what he's saying. Biadoini, into me, my master. I'm ready. I'm here to receive. Yedaber no avdacho, let your servant speak. Right? But other, no, no, I shouldn't say that because I don't know how that connects. I thought Yedaber no avdacho means you should speak to me, but Yedaber no avdacho means actually I will speak to you, so that doesn't work. In any case, because in Hasidus actually explains the opposite, that, that the Yedaber no avdacho has to do with Allah's man. That's 
he's raising up feminine waters to her, I and mean, she's bringing up the birurim, the sparks of holiness. That okay, but that's not shaykh to this. But the idea of biadoni means that at least the first part is biadoni into me, my master, be mashpia into me, right? Okay. So that's yisoid of malchus. What's malchus of malchus? Well, malchus the malchus who? What is malchus of malchus? Bederach klal in general. The Indian of Malchus of Malchus is Malchus as she becomes the power in creation. Which in, in terms, hear these words, means the power of the maker in the thing that is made. Remember we spoke before about sparks of holiness? The spark of God that's in every creation that's creating it. The power of God that's speaking the world into existence. The fact that the Bolshem says that when it says... Uh, when, when you look at an even, you look at a, at, a, at a stone, what really makes the stone a stone? An aleph, a beis, and a nun, of the words of God that is now being spoken into it. So that's called the koach So it's not malchus as malchus is receiving from higher. It's quite on the contrary. Malchus as malchus becomes a mashpia. She's giving downward. We say this in davening mairev. Every night when we daven mairev. We, we speak about these two levels of Malchus. Malchus is called Zos. For whatever reason. Malchus is called Zos. So we say, Ve'emuna calls Zos. So Ve'emuna calls Zos is the higher part of Malchus. Which is, Malchus is, 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 is a macabre. Ve'emuna, Muna is feminine. Ve'emuna, she's receiving calls Zos. She's receiving from above. V'kayom oleinu is masculine. V'amunah kolzos is feminine. V'kayom oleinu, she's standing above. of. V'kayom, and is a, that's the next level. That's malchus of malchus that becomes the mashpia downward. V'amunah kolzos is the higher part of malchus receiving. V'kayom oleinu, right, being mashpia down. So that's malchus of malchus. Now let's see. Elechein, since, so here, hear this really well. Since in the days of Shlomo, the light of the Ein Sof, of God, was shining in Malchus. But only in which level of Malchus? It shined down into Malchus, into the Yisod of Malchus. Which Yisod of Malchus represents Malchus as Malchus is standing with a quest to receive. So therefore, which sparks is it touching? Those sparks that are in a quest. Those sparks that are are possible, that are always looking to go outside of them. There are people that are always looking for what's beyond them. But that, that shows them spirituality. People that are not, ha- that are looking, that they, they, they want, they want to research, they want to know what's, oh, so that, that means you're, that's called a spark that's still alive. A spark that's still looking to connect higher. Since the Giloi in Malchus was only in Malchus as Malchus is Yisot Sheba Malchus, which means Malchus as Malchus is in a, that the revelation of Malchus only in the level of Malchus as Malchus is receiving from the Ze'er Anpin as she's still connected above so even the sparks that she was pulling as a result of that her light was shining in the creation but only to which sparks was it shining? It was only by those sparks that have, a, that, have a, that have some kind of relationship to feel something godly. They, they have the sensitivity, they have the sensors 
stool to be able to sense something holy, since Malchus itself is receiving this light in a level where Malchus is also sensing something that's above it and yearning for something that's above it. So it's reaching to those sparks that are in a, in, in a similar state like Malchus is in a state of seeking. Till now they're in the dark, they don't have. Now there is light, so they jump to the light. Is that what I'm saying? Now there's a magnet. Now there's a big fire, so they pull to it. But when Mashiach comes... But when Mashiach is going to come, when the light of the Ein Sof, which is coming from higher, which is coming not from Atik Yomen, but it's coming from the innermost of Atik Yomen, which is the Atmos, the essence of God Himself. When that is going to reveal itself in Malchus, it's going to be through and through, all the way down to the last and final dimension of Malchus. Malchus, which is Malchus as she's already embedding herself into creation, into all beings, into all existence. And when that power is filled with the truth of God, it's automatically felt in everything that Malchus is embedded in. It's not in the Malchus as Malchus is in that, in that higher state. It's like you can explain that the idea of Malchus being in a higher state or Malchus being in her place. You know, it's a chassid. When the chassid is by his Rebbe, he's there Tishrei, he's in a state of being makabal. He's in a state of being. And then there is when he goes back into his own place, in his own home, in his own place. In his, own, his level of sensitivity is a whole different level. Because he's now down there. He's not... Over here, every little thing gets him excited. Everything in a gaiety. Why? Because he's in, a, he's, a, he's in a state that he lifted himself up beyond himself. And in that state, he's operating. That's Malchus as it's connecting to Yisot. So, when that happens to the Shekhinah, all those entities that are in that kind of a state can get excited. But when Malchus is inspired not not through attachment to Yisod, but the light is shining in Malchus, in her very self, in her very substance, and as she's already translating down into the creation, then it impacts everything. Not only that, until it's sensed, where is it sensed? Not just Malchus as in general, she is in Bria, Yetzir, and Asiya, as she descends down lower into the world, until it reaches the koach ha'po'al she'benifal, the power of the maker that's in the thing that's made. Literally, gamanitzutzes, hear this, even the sparks, she'nesrachkum malchus, that have become distant from, from malchus, from the shechina, she'lechein enem shaychem etzad atzman, that's why they're not shaych, lahargish oire leki, to sense a god, like we said before, a spark that has been extinguished, and even sparks that have gotten even darker. Not only don't they sense anything, they don't have any godly sense to themselves, they themselves have become perverted, almost to become evil forces. That's how dark, when we say God made the moon small, and He caused a diminishment in His light, sparks of Him that have, as a result of that, the sparks of Hashem have become so darkened that, it w- that some of those sparks can even join the klipa. And they become like bad. Like it says, the concept in Allah, there's something like that. 
called chaticha atzma nasas nevela. That when kosher falls into non-kosher, there is sometimes a situation where the kosher itself is considered, it became converted to non-kosher, and now it's considered as if there was, the, the quantity of non-kosher includes the kosher piece that fell into it. In other words, when you're trying to figure out how to cancel it, then you need a certain amount to cancel the non-kosher and the kosher. You need 60 times, not only the amount of what was not kosher, but the piece itself became that itself became the veil. And Allah, you have that. And that's reflecting spiritually. That when a spark of God falls into a very dark place, the spark itself could be convinced, so to speak, to join the darkness. That's how vulnerable God made himself, so to speak, in this creation. They're like bad. And therefore, you would think that, what? Forget about them. They too will be elevated. And they too will be elevated. Why? Because the revelation is reaching Malchus through and through, even to the lowest point of Malchus. So these sparks are still sparks of Malchus. So they too are now feeling the light, even if they're not shy to feel anything. The Yaseirim and here is the main thing, the main point. Till now we're talking about in sparks, three levels of sparks. Sparks that are, that are always inspired, they, they're looking for a big blaze to pull them. They're, they're searching. Then there are sparks that have been kind of extinguished. They're not searching, but they're not bad. And then there are sparks that have become bad. That's how, that's how corrupted they have become. But we're still talking about sparks. But then there is more than the spark. There's the actual creation. The Yisairim is even more than this. Shagam hagashmi atzmoi. Even the, phys- even the physical itself. Not just the spark. Is going to be when Mashiach comes in the epitome of the unification with God. You hear this? Not inspired. Inspired means you and it are two things. Not inspired. Essentially transformed. I said that essentially so strong that I pulled a muscle saying it. Wow. Okay, I guess essentially, right? And this that the physical is going to be with the utmost unification. Here the Rebbe is adding something very deep. Why is the physical going to be totally unified with God? You'll say, because till now, in every, in, every, in every creation there is an energy of God creating it. Right? There's two things. There is Hashem's light that's creating the creation. So now we have no sense of that energy. Because that's called ayin. There is yesh and there is ayin. We are yesh. We are substance. And then there is the ayin eloki, the divine energy is called ayin, nothingness, because we have no clue in it. It's hidden from us, so we don't feel it, so we only feel us. Shiach comes, God will flip on the light, and then we're going to feel the power that's creating us. The koyach eloki that's creating us. So the Rebbe says, no, 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 no. It's not just merely, sha'oz yizgale koyach eloki, the power, godly power, sheboy shemahava oisem ayin liyesh, then we will experience and sense the power of God that's making us from nothing to something. 
which is Gilui Koyach HaPoyol which means the revelation of the power of the Maker in now God is operating anonymously. He's creating us in a manner where we don't even feel that He's making us. Mashiach will come, He's going to reveal Himself in us. No, no, not just that. Even the being, the created being himself, without, not because he's recognizing that there's a power that's making him, being him into beingness, by him recognizing that power that's, that's being him into beingness. But even the being, the creation itself, is going to be in utmost unity, not just because he realizes that he couldn't make himself and someone had to make him and now he actually senses something else that's making him. Because then after everything still it is, there is me and there's a thing that's making me and the me, whatever I am, is something. It's just that I couldn't possibly exist even for a second without that power. So really, I got to thank that power for making me and even deeper than that, that, so really, who am I really? That power. Because without that power, I wouldn't exist. But I'm still thinking that there is a power that's making me and there is the me and the power that's making me and there's still a me and an it. Why? Because we're still operating in a state where it's possible for, for, for something to be that's not God. We are in a state today that it's possible for existence to exist. That's other than Hashem. That, that's, that's the consciousness. And even when we become enlightened, we realize that ugh, everything in this world is, is what we call in, in philosophical terminology, we call it possible existence. Not it must be. God is the only existence that must be. And, there, and, 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 and we also know that everything in this world is composites. And anything that's composite means essentially doesn't exist by its own virtue. Something is bringing it together and making it. So what's that power that's make, bringing it together? And what's that? So that's God that's making it together. But as we're saying like this, so we're, 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 we're comfortable with the idea that there is a power and there is a consequence of that power and that is the creation that is coming into existence. And that creation that's coming into existence is powered by God, but yet it is, it is a creation. So if I don't ask the question, if I'm not perturbed by the question of who created me, if I'm not thinking about how did I come to be, again, if, I, if I'm a smart person, if I'm a normal person that has to ask the question, how did I come to be? If, if I want to research my, my beginnings, where I come from, oh, then I will find out that there, I'll have to come to a conclusion that there is a power, Hashem's power that's creating me. But that's only not because of who I am, that's because of how did I get here? Who I am, I'm me. How did I get here? Oh, and once I realized that since that power that makes me get here didn't only operate once a long time ago, but it's actually making me get here every second, because without that I couldn't exist, Oh, then I realize how weak, how weak and lateral, literally non-existent my existence is and how I need to attribute my existence to this power that's existing me into existence. See what's happening? But that's only based on, that's not based on me who I am. That's based on the fact of where do I come from? How did I get here? And I realize that my, I'm... 
And, and, and then we have to do a comparison. What's the comparison? We know that all creations don't exist from within themselves. They're all temporal existence. And then there is a power, there's another type of existence which is divine. Divinity exists in, innately. And now I realize how non-existence I am compared to God. So, but again, I'm dealing with something that's outside of my being, that's the power and responsible for my existence. And I'm only, and I'm only concerned with that if I'm questioning where do I come from. How did I come to be? Like Avram Avinu, question. But without that question of how did I come to be, my, my very beingness right now is me. When Mashiach comes, we'll see in a moment, something else is revealed. What's revealed is the God Himself. And when God Himself is revealed, something fundamental changes. What, what clicks and changes in all, in all, in all being, in all being is that, this, that, 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 there is, that He is and outside of Him nothing exists. Nothing. That means that not only is there a power creating me, but there is me. That very me, that very creation, is part of His beingness. Nothing other than His being. Because it can't be anything but Him. So that's affecting already me, even without the question of how did I come to be. It's just, that's it. I'm going to try to give a little example to that, because really he's explaining it. He doesn't explain it later that well. I mean, he, it's in the next piece that he says it. But, and I really should have explained it later, but I'll explain it already now because we're already in the discussion. The, the example I was thinking a little bit to, to better understand what I'm saying. Any experience that you experience, anything. From, of course, being aware of yourself. From being aware of the clothing that you're wearing. From being aware of the, the, the room you're in, the place you're in, the people that are next to you. The memories you have of events that happen. The things you see, you've heard, the music you know, the words you know, the wisdom you know, the knowledge you know. The emotions you have the loves you have, the dislikes you have. Let's talk about the sum total package of everything you've ever experienced in your entire existence. The sights you've seen, lovely sights, not lovely sights, good things, bad things. Let's talk about the sum totality. Obviously you understand there's, there's, a, there's only a sum totality of it. You didn't, you, 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 one can technically, hypothetically make a whole folder of every experience you've had, because you're only you. It's limited, right? Right? Obviously you understand that a person living in Indonesia on a farm has a, has a whole different reality experience of different people and different sights and different sounds. I mean, there are many things you share, but I'm saying, as a human, we have a certain experience, realm of experience. Got it? Now, every single one of those experiences, obviously, if you experience them, then they're you. Right? What do I mean? If you saw something, it's you see, of course you saw something. You're experiencing yourself with your eyes closed. Me, okay, that's for sure you. And even if I'm experiencing a cup of water, what's my experience of the cup of water? Number one, I'm seeing it. Number two, right now I'm feeling it. And number three, right now I drank it. 
So I sensed it, I tasted it, I felt it. My, but, so it's my experience of that water, get it? It has to be me. Things I, so therefore all emotions, feelings, thoughts, memories, every single, because you cannot experience something that, to experience, you're the experiencer. If you're the experiencer, then everything in, in that experience is you. It's of course you in relationship with other things, fine, but it's you. Now let's imagine, not just imagine. It's hard to say this. The beinger in which all this, the big mind, the big brain, in where all this is fantasized and all this is happening. It's all him. It's not possible for anything not to be him because who is, who is, who is the one thinking it? Who, who is the one? It's not just that he's making it. See, by us at least, it's only your sensation of it that's you. But the thing itself, the water is not me. My, my awareness of the water is me. And my connection to the water is me. But the water does exist outside of me. But, but to the being, the supreme being, who has in which all of this is taking place, it's all him. There's, there's nothing outside of him. Finished. It's not only that he's creating, without his light there wouldn't be. It's just possible. Because outside of him, there's, no, there's nothing. There's nothingness. And nothingness doesn't either exist. So in Yiddish you'd say, Zayin is this M. Whatever it only should be, it's him. Now, until Mashiach comes, that reality is hidden from all of creation. When Mashiach comes, that reality suddenly is... Is, 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 is. Now, you should know, as we spoke a few, two weeks ago, by the Shear, not two weeks ago, actually last week, last week Wednesday when we gave the Shear. Excuse me. Even in today's days, this level of God, which is not the level, it's Himself, is present all over, because it's not possible for Him not to be present, and is sensed, and, and, and is sensed, and actually it doesn't say only He's present, He's actually revealed everywhere. What is the demonstration that He is revealed everywhere? And when we say revealed, we don't mean an intellectual revelation where you comprehend and understand what it is. No, the, no one knows this reality. We know about him, but we don't, we can't in any way understand. But when we say he's totally revealed, is in one thing. And that we see that the notion that God is is accepted by everybody unless a person fracocks his mind to lose that. I mean that. Unless you distort your... How do we know? A two-year-old toddler. Speak to him about God 
and he's totally comfortable with the idea. That's not intellectual. That's an obvious truth. That's an obvious reality. The fact that, that God is so obviously felt prime, not by thinkers and philosophers, simple people, simple people across the world, old babushkis in Ukraine, people in, everybody, God, of course, it's because he's everywhere. He's everywhere and everything. And everybody senses him. You could fadre your cup so much and convince yourself, boom, 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 and proof, boom, 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 and put yourself in a, in, a, in a sack and disconnect yourself from it. And even then you have to keep on saying it a lot of, to try to keep on proving that, they, that you believe that he doesn't exist. But, but, but the fact that it is so instantly received by little children, not just, it's like, yeah. And by people that are not bubble. The fact that there is a God, and if God's presence and our awareness would be based on what I discussed before, where I saw a lot of people were losing me, where I can't exist unless there's this energy continuously creating me. I mean, that's already a philosophical discussion. So it should be the intellectual elite in the world walk around with a concept of God. Like intellectual elites in the world walk around with concepts of um, 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 what is it called? Uh, uh, um, uh, no, 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 no. Um, uh, 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 what's today's most modern, advanced, uh, 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 not atomic? Um, what do they call it? Most sophisticated science. Uh, exploring what? Nuclear. Not not nuclear theory is another word I'm looking for. Um, something related to subatomic um, there's a, a string theories and which is part of part of some other kind of who knows it uh, but, but not a, but and God is even even prior to that and uh, right so you would expect that that should be perceived but not it's the most obvious it's the it's the most um Obvious truth, because God is everywhere. However, now it is only felt enough that God that 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 God is that everybody knows God is. When Mashiach comes, that sense is going to become way stronger in all of us, and then. You're looking at the very experience of existence is one that is, as he uses the words over here, it's totally unified with God himself. The nivra is totally unified, the creation himself. Not the created power that's creating him is revealed in him. The very creation itself is completely synchronized with the MS of his own existence, and that is that everything that exists cannot exist, can only exist as an expression of God's true existence. As the Rambam says, all that exists, anything that is in beingness doesn't exist only from the truth of his existence. And that's that powerful paradigm shift. That's that powerful, complete 
shift of, of awareness that's going to happen when Mashiach comes. And that is what we're talking about. Let's see um, Now the reason why there is going to be such revelation, then it's going to be revealed the innermost of Atik. Then the revelation is going to be Gam b'malchus Sheba Malchus, even in Malchus of Malchus. The Yaseirim is that not only this, Gam Lamata Ba'olam Hagashmi, also below in the physical world, Benitzutzes Hakadusha Shebedvarim Hagashmi, in the physical sparks that are in in physical matter, Gam Bahanitzutzes Shenes Rachku, even in the sparks that have become so distant. Not only that, even in the most physical matter itself. This is it. It's like if Hasidus needed to go somewhere, it went all the way to the end, right in this mimer. And we can say, here is where he explains this idea. Simply you would understand, ah, this, 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 this is the Gavaldi Gavart over here. Simply you would understand. Why is it that when there's a higher revelation, it goes lower? Because that's just a general rule in Hasidus all, all the time. That what? The higher something is, the lower it can go. The stronger a light is, the farther it can reach. The wiser a person is, the more they can explain their ideas to simpler people. Right? That, that, that's a sign of how... Right? That, so you would say the same thing like in Moshe Rabbeinu's time, it was this light, so it can only reach till here. In Shlomo Melech's time, it was an infinite light, so it can reach even lower. Moshe's time can be even even a, even a more infinite light or even a higher dimension. It's higher; it can even be felt lower. He says, "No, that's not the word. The, the point over here is not that that because it's higher, it can go lower. Because if it's higher, going lower means that it and the place in which it's shining is two different things." It is shining in a lower place. That's all, as I mentioned, that's all inspiration. We're not talking about inspiration. We're talking about consciousness shift. We're talking about reality shift. Not con- reality shift. N- not inspiration. The, the, when God's essence is revealed, when Mashiach comes everywhere, it's not because He's reaching everywhere, it's because He and everywhere are one. He is everywhere. Not He. It's to be found everywhere. He is the everywhere. So he and the place in which he's revealing himself is one. The underlying reality of realities has just now risen to the surface. So automatically everything is in a godly state. It's a whole different story. He says, The reason there will be godly revelation every place. Who? When we say pnimius atik, what do we mean? Atzmus Oirein Soif, the essence of the Oirein Soif. The Legambe Atzmus Oirein Soif, and to the essence of the Oirein Soif, Ein Shum Metzios Shechutz Mimeno. There is no existence that's outside of him. Va'adaraba, on the contrary, not only is there no existence outside of him, Amitesi Matzayus Baruch, the truth of his existence is in everything, is the truth of everything. The truth of his existence is the, is the existence of everything. 
not just the energy creating it, but the very, whatever, whatever the space where something is existence, that's him, and the, and the thing, and... Therefore, through the revelation of the innermost of Atik, it will be sensed. Behold, Dovar and everything, that its existence is God. And based on this, we can say, comes out an amazing thing. That not only are we now reaching things that we didn't reach before. But even all the sparks and all the people and all the enlightened beings that were already enlightened are also going to be impacted by this revelation just as much because, it's, because till now they and God are two, two separate things. God created me, God makes me, God is controlling my life. Uh, but I'm still living in a space that I am me. See what's happening? That I am me. So even if I have revelation, it's still me and it are two separate things. The Chiddush of Mashiach is, no, there's, it's just him. And, and that's you. So you can't, of course you do, of course his will is just natural to you because you and him are one. So everything automatically is going to operate in complete synchronization with God's will. Without inspiration. That's the whole point. Just essentially. The, the greatness of the world that's going to be through the hamshach of the innermost of Atik in comparison to the situation of the world that was in the days of Shloyma who gam is also also in regards to those things even those things which in the days of Shloyma were inspired Today, it's going to be a whole different revelation. Because the revelation that was in the days of Shloyma, the revelation then was not from, it wasn't God Himself revealing Himself. It was His light revealing Himself. Which to His light, there can be places where there's more light, less light. Yeah. So this was like something added to the things. To the place and to the things in which the revelation is being drawn. But the revelation that's going to be when Mashiach comes. In everything, it's going to be revealed then. The Metsias, the true existence of one's very being, the truth. The truest truth of your own existence is going to be revealed to you. We're not talking about some other thing revealing itself. The truest element of your existence. Which is, as Rambam says, the existence of our Creator. Which in Him and from Him, and as an expression of Him, all existence. He, he is being Himself out through all of us. He is being his being in us and with and through us and with us and as us. That's what it is. And that is going to be revealed. And this is the Chiddush. And this idea, you see, this revelation. Now, now here, here the point really deep. Here's the point really deep. 
This revelation is called chesed. Because this is not wealth. This is the kindness that you give even to the wealthy. And what does it affect? That revelation that is given, when Malchus, hear, hear this, when Malchus is illuminated with a light that is given even to the wealthy, then the courses of the course does God's will without being refined and without being elevated. Just in its coarseness, it does God's will because God wants that. Not, and because it and God are one, not because of any inspiration. That's the whole point. That's what made me crazy what I'm seeing in the world right now. That is, this is it. This is it. I'm sorry I'm going back there, but I have to. Because this is what we're seeing right now. Malchus right now has been given to a very rich man who doesn't need anything. A person who's coarse, who is doing God's will because he's going to put the embassy back in Yerushalayim. He's going to pave the way for the building of the base of Migdash, as I said in my Monday class. No doubt about it. Him and Putin together. No one knows why they're, the two of them are, 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 are suddenly became best friends. You heard it over here. I'm telling you why. Because together they're going to build a third base on English. Who? Darkness itself. How dark? The courses of the course. How? Inspired? Possible for inspiration? No. Intrinsically, inherently. When? When Malchus is given to the billionaire. That, that's the Chiddush. That was the crazy Chapa. That's what I love. That, that was my chap in this whole thing. That when you see Malchus being given to Ashir, never in history, never had this in history. That's, that's its expression. V'zehu, now we can learn inside. V'zehu v'chasidecha yevarchucha. And this is what we say, v'chasidecha yevarchucha. Your chasidim will bless you. What does that mean? And who accomplished all of this? Chasidus. That's the meaning. Because who reveals the essence of God that transforms the darkest of the dark? Chasidus do this. So when actually the Rebbe begins with chasidecha, talking about very high levels of tzaddikim, but in concept it means chasidus. The chasidecha, your chasidim, yivarchu, they will draw down the essence of malchus. We are ko, ko into malchus. The essence of keser that is being drawn down through the chasidim, who ba'ofen shal chesed. Why is it called the chasidecha? Because this, this hamshach is called chesed. Chasidecha. Haflogas atoiv. Talking about wonder is good. The noise of lezeh, in addition to this, shehem hamshichim b'malchus. This is called giving malchus kindness. Because not only did you give Malchus one second, the lights that went away from her, which through this, she replenished what she lost. Not only did you give her what she lost, you draw down in her wealth. That's above filling the... What she was lacking, Atik, which is Atik. You're giving her Atik, we said she never was lacking Atik. Atik is the Orin Sof. The Yaserim is there, but even more than this, this is the next stage, not wealth, even beyond wealth. Shemam Shichim Ba, we draw into her Gama Giloi Shalamailo Mepchenes Ashiris. 
Also the revelation that's above Ashiras. And what is that? Pneumius Atik. The innermost of Atik. Not just Atik, but innermost of Atik. And then he explains in the Maimah. Why are the Chastafka, this level called Chasidim, are the ones who draw down what is Chesed? They draw, see, there's two meanings to the word Chasidecha. Chesed is the level what is being drawn, it's called Chesed, it's the innermost of Atik. But also, who is drawing it? The pious ones that are called Chasidim. What's the connection? So in the Mimer, the, the Rebbe Rishab says in the Mimer, two in Yanim. Two in Yanim of why it's Hasidim, the level called Hasidim, that can draw down this light. Beyond light, this Chesed level. Why? Number one, Mitzad Abitl Shalehem. The Indian of Hasid is someone who serves God without any, any trace of personal gain. Chassid represents, the, you, what is the definition of chassid? Someone who gets beyond himself completely. You see it in everything. The sage, I'll start with a little thing. The Gemara says that who is called a chassid? The Gemara says that when it comes to cutting your nails, so the Gemara says like this, that you're not supposed to, if you cut, you're not supposed to leave your nails out because it can be dangerous, especially for a pregnant woman. Because bad spirits can go onto a sh- certain de- demon, whatever, can go onto a nail. As a result of that, if a pregnant woman steps on it, it can harm her, can cause her miscarriage or something. So that's why you're not supposed to leave nails. So the Gemara says that a, if, you, uh, if a person wants to do the right thing, I think it's tzaddik or whatever, is someone who goes and he, and he buries them. He buries them. And the Gemara says, however, a chassid is the one who burns them. Simply it's because he's doing even more. He's making, because you, if, you, if you put it in the ground, it can ultimately be uncovered. But really it says once it was buried, so even if it's uncovered, it can't harm anymore, I think. But the chassid goes and he burns them. What's the idea of, why is he called the chassid? Because it says that when you burn something that comes from your body, it harms you. It's actually harmful to yourself. But the chassid is so concerned with the well-being of other people, that he's going to harm himself not to hurt anybody else. So he's willing to take harm for himself, to burn his own nails. So you see that the, the definition of what the Gemara calls chassid is someone who is completely selfless. Even willing to take a hit to help someone else. In the service of Hashem, the level of chassid is service that is not for your own gain, but service for God. As Chazal say, who is a chassid? Hamis chassid im kono, who does kindness with his creator. The Alter Rebbe explains in Tanya, it means someone who's serving Hashem, not to get all, first of all, you know, we have many levels of serving God. There are people sometimes, and I sometimes hear Shiurim, people will always say, serve God, it will help you keep Shabbat, it will help your business, do this, it will help this. So first of all, I think it's a little irresponsible saying that, because sometimes people keep Shabbat, and, they, and things don't work out for them. Okay, I'm not going to get into it. Maybe people think for a sales pitch, it's okay. So, do this because, no, that's one level. Then there's a higher level, do the stuff. There's a song uh, Lipa Schmelzer sings. Taseh mitzvah tekneh olam haba. It gets me nauseous, this song, but okay. Uh, do a mitzvah, you get olam haba. Do another mitzvah, you get olam haba. I have a question actually on today's Tanya. On today's Hayom Yom. In today's Hayom Yom, it gives you a whole... I have to find... I have to find it was bothering me all day long. It speaks about 
what is the amount that you could make sure you don't get chibut kever, And what do you do that you don't have to get kafa kela? It says you have to learn so much, a sixth of the day. Then. So I'm saying, since well, is a chassid, is a person, this is a book for chassidim, thinking about it. He's so concerned for his body that he's now thinking about he's going to get zetzed up afterwards. And now he's, he's... And I haven't seen such a discussion ever in chassidus. If you want to save yourself from being... It's like, chassidus is always about... We, we want to get the work done for the Abishter, for this, for that. This whole idea of saving yourself, of having to go to Chibut HaKev, how do you... So there must be a, a great depth to this Hayom Yom, because it can't just be. It just doesn't fit with the general. So there is, there's a person serves to get Olam Haba. Then there is something deeper. And that is you're serving Hashem because you're thirsty and you want to cleave to God. That's called Dvekus. That's more of a chassidish service. You're serving because you want to get close. You want, you, you feel, you're yearning to, to get close to Hashem and through learning Torah, doing mitzvahs or prayer, you cleave to God. Al-Tareb explains in Tanya what's called B'nai Aliyah. B'nai Aliyah are those that are called Hasidim. Now, their service is not at all for themselves. All they think about is to redeem the Shekhinah. To make a yichud between HaKadosh Baruch and the Shekhinah, there's nothing. And it's like, Sometimes for us, it's not. We say, we, well, yeah, we'll do that because we don't really appreciate what it means to to become attached to God and to feel that ecstasy. But these are people who are forego on all those pleasure just to be able to do for Hashem. That's chassid. So even though really we're talking about very high levels, I think I'm going to connect it that the general thrust by chassidim who learn Tanya and learn chassidus and particularly chassidut chabad those who learn Hasidus, generally it infuses this in you that your Yiddishkeit is not self-fulfilling. Your Yiddishkeit is for a higher cause of Dira B'tachtayim. Everything is like, what? it's mission-oriented. It's not, it's not personal gain-oriented. It's not a self-help development, be-all-you-can-be kind of program. Dafka Hasidus gives this. This is what attracted me to Hasidus to begin with. I sensed that immediately in my soul when I started learning Hasidus. The Hasidus took the spotlight off me and it put it on God in the middle and it's all for the Yebishtah. So, as I'm saying, to some degree, even though he's talking about the high level of Hasid, but it relates to Hasidus in general. It, it fosters, it fosters, such a such a feeling. In any case, Betada Bitlshem, Kamaimara Zoyar, Zoyar says, Huvali El Sife, Ezu Chasidam is Chasidim Koina. So let's understand. Why is it that when you do something selfless, do you reach Chesed? Do you reach that level called Chesed, which is the essence of Hashem's the Ainsov? Pnimius Atik explains why. Shavaidasa Yuloi Bishvil Atzmoy, his service is not for his own gain. Even for something as refined that I should be connected to God, right? Rather, someone's service to God is for the sake of God, not for the sake of himself. As explained in Tanya. And since their avoda, their service is in a state of bitl, so now he's explaining what's the connection between this type of service of chasid to that level of being drawing down chesed chasidech 
Chassid and Chesed is the same word. But why? Why is the Chassid being drawing down from the level of Chesed? The answer is like this. What's the difference between all these levels that we spoke about before? You see, ten sefirot is already godliness that is already defined with certain, per, certain character traits. Chesed, Gevura, Teferis. Godliness has become specified. It's become already identifiable. The Keser that's above the spheres is pure, simple light. It's not yet definable. But it's a source for the spheres, so it has already some kind of definition. The fact that we can say on it, that's a source. Then there is the higher light, Atik, which is removed from the spherot. It doesn't have any definition. It doesn't have... It, it, the, whole, the whole thing is that it's not defined, it, which means it's not fixed in, any, in anything. But in a sense, even that is fixed because that too is fixed in its non-being fixed. It's, it, Atik means removed from all beingness. So that also has some, 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 something we can talk about. But then there is beyond that that doesn't have any definition whatsoever. Meaning it's not in any way defined, doesn't have any mitziot, it doesn't have any spec. it just is, beyond any type of existence. So it's outside of beingness, of any mitziot, of some, it's outside of somethingness. That's why the only way to touch that is if you transcend completely your own being, your, your somethingness. So when someone is operating as a somebody and a something, they're drawing godly lights that have also been defined as something. Kindness, this, that, something. The only way to draw down what is beyond something is if you are beyond your, your something. And how do you go beyond your something if you're utterly selfless? If you're doing something not considering yourself, you transcended your, your somethingness, your beingness, then you touch that which is the level of chesed that has no shaykhs to somethingness. It's... Right. And since their avoda is a nullification, higher than any kind of beingness, of existence, so therefore that which they draw down, two people doing the mitzvah, this person is drawing down a much lower light because he's considering his, he's doing it out of, with a sense of self. So he's connecting only to the, to the self, to the defined, definitive elements of God. The person who's doing the mitzvah above it, is from the essence, it's higher than the expansion, expanding light that is already mitzius, that's mitzius, which is atik. The yaserim is there, not only, no, atik is not non-mitzius. The yaserim is there, even deeper than that, pnimius atik, the innermost of atik. V'zehu eizahu chasid. And that is also the meaning. Eizahu chasid. Shemes chasidim koinoi. What did we say? When you draw down, and what, what, so the Gemara says, simply means you do your service for the sake of God. The Zohar, however, says, what, is, what does it mean? We learned it two weeks ago. And what is imkandile? He does kindness with Malchus. Malchus is called the Khan, with his nest. Kono, we said, is the Ze'er Anpin, the six emotions. I'm not going to get into it again. And Kandile, its nest, is Malchus. And there's a six eggs in the nest, 
or six uh, 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 chicks or whatever they are, six little birds, these are the six emotions that dwell in Malchus. So now, now what's the connection? You realize here's the thing. If your service is totally in a manner of selfless, said, you're not thinking of yourself. All you are thinking is you want to draw down light for the Shekhinah. You're not... So what are you reaching then? You're reaching the light called chesed, which is above wealth. When that light is revealed, where is it revealed? In Malchus, but not only in Malchus. In Malchus Sheba Malchus. It's revealed in the Malchus, which is called the real nest. Because why is Malchus called the nest? Because she nests in the world. The power of Malchus that's within the world. So that's where all things wrap together. Dafka someone who's avoda is not at all part of his mitzias part of his own being, can reach and touch that which is totally beyond Metzius, which is God's essence, and that is revealed in Malchus, at every point of Malchus, even in Kandile, even in the lowest element of Malchus. What's the connection? He does kindness with his Creator. His service is not for himself. For the sake of God. Lechain, therefore, bekoichoy lehis chaseidim kandile. He can do kindness, he can do chesed, because his service is totally not for himself, therefore he can be mischaseid. Im kandile, shaham shacha bemalchus kandile, daham shacha in malchus, tiyaloi rak baoifen shel tzedaka. Won't be only in a manner of tzedaka. Milu yachasarin by filling the debt, filling what is lacking. Elo baoifen shel chesed, in a level of chesed. Ashirus, and even what's beyond Ashiras, even what's beyond wealth, which is Chesed. Good, that's one explanation the Rebbe Rashab says 102 in his Mimer of why it's the Chasidim that the Chasidecha Yevar Chukoi bring down the Chesed in Malchus. Now, there's one more, but then there's another explanation he gives. He says, because the Indian of Chas... So one of them is... One of them has to do with the Bittal. Because it's a selfless service. And only the selflessness of the Chasid can reach so deep in the Yen Sof. But now, there's another point, he says. Another reason why they draw down the Chasid Dafka. Because the idea of Chasidus... Hear this, is a very Gishmaka Indian. The idea of Chasidus is to take one's natural human powers and connect them to God to the point where all of your natural powers become godly powers. Literally, your power of vision becomes a godly power of vision. Someone who's serving God, all their natural powers become synchronized with the divine powers and to the point where your powers are like merged with God's powers and you're like just a, a channel and, an ex- and your powers are godly powers. Your thought is godly thought. Your speech is godly speech. Your, 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 your innovation your, is, is godly innovation. Look what he says. One's natural inst- Powers, nasim koiches eloikiyam, become godly powers. What does this idea say about Hasidus? So in 65, the Rebbe says, look 
in Sefer HaSichas Torah Shalom, look in the Rebbe Rashab Sichas, where over there he explains this Indian. What does he explain over there? So I looked it up. So the fifth Chabad Rebbe, the same who said the original Mimer over here, in a talk that he gave to the Chassidim, was talking about what is Chassidus. And he said, what do you gain by, by learning all this all the time? The more Chassidim, the more you envelop yourself in these teachings, he says something magical happens, something unbelievable happens. And his, his, his Indian is like this. We once spoke, I'm just going to quote what he says because it's very rich. He says, we once spoke that the accomplishment of Hasidus over Kabbalah, the world is always lagging behind. So today everybody's excited. If you give a class in Kabbalah, everybody's happy. People don't realize that Kabbalah is like amateur stuff compared to Hasidus. So the, what's the accomplishment of Hasidus over Kabbalah? That in Hasidus, godliness, the, the divine, descended into an image of a human. In Hasidus, divinity took on a human form. Why? Because Hasidus uses the human experience to explain everything godly. Now, so how does the Alter Rebbe operate in all of Hasidus? He says, When you realize how your Chachma works, you can understand how God's Chachma works. When you realize how your Bino works, and then when you want to have a mashal for the Soviv Kalam, and the Alter Rebbe talks to you about Ratzon, your power of will that encompasses all your powers, turns everything on, shuts everything off, yet none of the limbs can comprehend the will. And when the Alter Rebbe wants to explain to you the idea of Atik Yomin, even higher than, than Keter, the innermost, he explains the realm of pleasure in the human experience. Because from the human, you know, but before Hasidus, no, there was no such talk. So what did Hasidus do? Hasidus took the divine and translated it into the human Vasagam, even though Kabbalah also does that. If you look at, the, at any Kabbalah chart, you see a human figure. A head, Chachma, Binadas, this, that. Is doch oichel lakus arab kikum ebchiras bebchenes tzior adam kabbalah also did it. Was das is doch was das vedaish doch shain oich shayach asaga. Once you bring it into some kind of a map, it's shayach at least to have some kind of a grasp in the godly things. Before kabbalah even began this making charts and no one had any thought. Now that you have some kabbalistic map, so you have some kind of asag. Now Mekal Makam the Rebbe says is doch nishkan. Is the Snishkain Asaga Gemur? When you learn Kabbalah, you don't really grasp it. You have a map, but you don't really grasp the ideas. In Chasidus is a Rab Gikum in Elokus, but in Chasidus, the, the godliness came down with Chenas Asaga Gemur in a manner that you can fully apprehend it and understand it. And in Vailif and Zayne Koiches Fashtete Dachaf Lamaila. So once you apply Chasidus, and from your Kochus you understand things above. So from your own koach of chachma, you understand chachma above. And from zayn asaga, from your power of bina, which is asaga, fashteter bina lamayla, he understands how bina works. And from his emotions, fashteter midoy shalamayla. From chesed, he understands chesed. From good, that's what chasidus, every mimer is always exploring the inner human psychology. And as a result of that, is so more than that, it's not just that you're understanding God from your powers. What you're doing to your powers is that you're making them godly. Why? Because it's like when you have a mashal and an imshal. An imshal means a 
when you use a parable, a parable to explain an idea. There's a certain point where the parable and the idea have merged together and, this, and the parable is no more an entity outside of the concept that you're explaining with it. Because if all this is is a parable for that, then, this, then you look at the parable, especially when you've gotten so, when the idea has so permeated your, your, that when your idea has become so strong and it has so permeated the parable that the parable is so lost in the idea. That all you see in the fox and in the wolf is the other concepts. Not you don't see anymore the wolf and the and the fox and the bird and this. All you see is the idea conveyed. So when a human being looks at all of his identifies all of his experiences within himself, and as a result of that, is always real every day sits for hours contemplating his own powers and looking at at a certain point. The, the, your powers are not you anymore. They're just, an, they're just a muscle for God. And if they're a muscle for God, then they're God. So you have now stopped being a human being. You become a godly entity. That's what Hasidus says. The natural koiches of a person becomes, is the words, is darach dem ven zayne koiches elikus. Does vert ongerufen as der muscle vert animshal. The muscle becomes the nimshal. Vos das is bederach memela zay. The koiches themselves become purified. They become godly. Oh, so, now, if this is the case, what did we say before? What is the, when you draw down, what's going to happen when Mashiach comes? When we reveal the essence of God in all of creation, what's going to happen? We stop being us, created by a God, whatever that. What is suddenly revealed is that everything that is, is Him. That means Nivra becomes Boire. Nivra becomes created. Mashal and Nimshal become one. And that fundamental change that we spoke about earlier, that everything suddenly is in sync, in perfect in tune with its true essence of what it is, which is God, means that Elokus, everything is godly. Nothing remains anymore outside. Everything is divine. Well, that's... How do you practice that? The 250 years of Hasidus in the world, doing that to individual people in the micro, causes this to happen in the, micro, in the macro. So this tells us better why the Baal Shem Tov said that these teachings have to spread. Because people need to learn this. It's the only way that this synchronization happens in, the, in, in, a, in a human being, and eventually in the world. So he says, the Indian Hasidus Shakoiches Ativiim, going back into the Maim and Nasim Koichem Elikim, become godly powers. What's the Chidush? What's the novelty that's going to happen when Mashiach comes as a result, as a consequence of the revelation of Chesed? That the physical powers become godly powers. I'm sorry, no, I missed it. I went back a line. Through drawing down the penimius of Atik, who was a that the nations themselves are going to be converted to godliness. Not inspired, converted in their place. That means that the very and that's similar to what we're saying now happens when your hands and feet become... And you should know that when you learn a lot of Hasidus and you live in the world of Hasidus, 
suddenly everything you see is another story of Hasidus. You begin to define every story, every event that happens, every person you meet, you're right away seeing in them the godly element of it. You hear a new story, you right away know, it, it, it speaks to you, That's, that becomes your world. Your reality becomes, the, 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 you start seeing everything in this world from the, from the perspective of Hasidus. Which is godliness. So, Hasidecha Yevarchucha. See what's happening? The, the, the rectification that happened through by Shlomo, the light from above, the light drew the sparks from a distance. Shlomo Melech is here, the, the sparks are there. Shlomo Melech was bringing them to Yerushalayim. When Mashiach comes, the nations don't have to come to Yerushalayim. Everybody where they are is converted. Wherever they are, are convert. I don't mean converted, become Jews, but are converted into this Moshiach um, um, consciousness shift, where reality shift, where everything is everything is godly. Well, that's the same idea what Hasidus is doing. As he said, Hasidecha is that the natural kochos become godly. They themselves will be drawn to Kedusha. First of all, not the spark, but them. Secondly, not by coming there, but in their place, will change. Similar to the idea that Hasidus has, that the natural are turned over and become godly powers. So two things that accomplish why Hasidecha are the ones who draw down Chesed? One of them is related to what? One Indian is related to what? To the... One is related to the Bittal, and the other one is related that the fact that the Chesed doesn't serve God with him himself in mind. He's serving Hashem completely for God's sake, not for his own. Complete selflessness. Second Indian is the transformation of the earthy, physical, human side of the chassid to becoming divine. Now these two things are related to the two elements that are related to when Mashiach is coming. Number one, what is being drawn. Number two, what's happening when it's being drawn. You see, there's two things. What is being drawn and what is it accomplishing. What is being drawn is the essence of God. What is it accomplishing? Everything flips over. Right? Where they are, everything flips over. Now these two things are related to the two elements of the chassid. One element of the chassid, the selflessness of the chassid, causes that his service draws down something that's beyond definition, which is God himself. Not God's lights. And the, 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 the transformation of the chassid, that his physical self becomes godly, that draws down what? That affects the consequence of it. And what's the consequence of it? That everything in this world gets, gets converted into godliness when Mashiach comes. But now the Rebbe asks a simple question. Why do I need two things? The Rebbe Rashab seems to be saying he blames, he blames, he attributes two things to the chassid that accomplishes it. Seems like one wouldn't be enough. Well, Chore, even if you don't have the second thing, that the chassid transforms to become godly, 
that his physical powers become godly. Even if you wouldn't have that, let's think about it. If the chassid is drawing the essence of God down in the world, it has to change everything automatically. You can't have that being revealed in Malchus and consequently in the world, and the world still maintaining a otherness than God. It doesn't work. Once the essence of God is revealed, and from the essence of God, nothing can exist that's not Him. Then, then automatically you have it. So then the Rebbe is asking, why do I need now both these in Yonim? Why do I need one thing to accomplish to draw Hashem's essence down? And the other one to accomplish the consequence, the effect. What's the effect? That when that happens, everything converts. Once I've already drawn that down, automatically everything converts. Because that's the very definition. If God is revealed, then everything is Him. So you can say it's reflecting it in the life of the chassid. But over here in the, mash, in the mimer is mashma that you need, the chassid needs these two things to make it happen. In order for him, to make it happen, he needs to work at the he needs to work up there and he has to work down here too. The question is, why do you have to work at both ends? You realize, realize in the chassid, let's think about it. These are the two pinnacles. You think about I'm saying there's something really gishmak here. In the, when he's pointing out the two things about the chassid, he's really reaching for two different points in the chassid's life. One of them he's reaching for the most sublime element in the chassid is his selflessness of his soul. His motivation is pure and selfless. That's something deep in his neshama. The other thing he's, he's talking about is the, the body of the person, the, the physical, natural, human element. That becomes godly, becomes refined. So, so he's, talking, he's speaking about the chassid, about the highest point of the chassid and the lowest point of the chassid, thereby affecting, one, the highest point of existence to be drawn down, and number two, the lowest point of, of creation to be transformed. The question is, isn't one a direct derivative of the other? Why do I need to have special focus on the second one? That's his question. It seems to apply. the Pneumius Atik, that how do you draw down Pneumius Atik? The bitl is what draws down Pneumius Atik. And this, that through the Amshach of Pneumius Atik, Hashem will convert the nations. It's through this that the natural koiches, natural powers of the chassid become godly, become them. We need to understand. The Luchura, at first glance, this, that through the revelation of Pneumius Atik, that will cause the nations to convert. This is not an added element to the revelation. This is, seems to be included in the revelation itself. The since the truth of God's being, who he hametzias shall call on him tzayim, is the existence of all existence. Lachain al yedei agiloy de pnimius atik. So therefore, automatically through the revelation of pnimius atik, yeh nirgash, it will be automatically felt 
Bechol davar and everything, that his mitzias, that his existence is divine. And since through as a result of the selflessness of the chassid, you're already drawing down the revelation. Why do I need Why do I also need the second thing the mimer is saying, the transformation of one's natural in order to accomplish this? See how deep he's going into this. Why do I need both? Why wouldn't one be enough? The Yashlaima we can say. So now he's adding just this is going to add the final depth to it. This that we're talking about, the conversion of one's natural powers to become godly, like we spoke earlier, because when you tr- when you begin to look at your life and see every aspect of your being as and you're so in tune with the way things are above, and you see from yourself you're always looking to understand how things are up there, then you, and, you actually stop being you, you start becoming a godly being, right? as we said. This is not only necessary, this objective is not only necessary to convert the world to godliness, because that is, happens automatically, when, when the revelation happens, that will happen automatically. But rather, this too is needed to allow the revelation of God's essence to be revealed. Meaning it's not only that once the revelation of God is revealed, now in order to convert the world, I need this. No, that's going to happen automatically. If the revelation is here, that happens automatically. So now he's adding that in order to draw down the revelation, you need to convert your powers to godliness. At first, before the revelation can reveal itself. You need two things. You need selflessness and you need this conversion. Why? Because you have to one has to bring this down through a positive and through a negative. Positive is the selflessness that's attracting God's selflessness, meaning God's very self. Hashem as He is beyond any definition. It's the selflessness of of the service that's reaching. But even when you're tugging at it, there can be something that is not allowing it to reveal. You can be drawing it, but there is a problem below that's blocking it from from that manifesting. And what is that? Since the truth of God is that He is and there's none but Him, again, since that's the truth of God, He is and there's none none but Him, so as long as there's something in the person, there's something in the person that is not divine, that is not godly, there's some, something in you who's, that you identify as just you, nothing godly about it. There is the third finger over here that you have no idea what the Kabbalistic, spiritual, godly meaning of this. So this to you is just your finger, nothing else, and therefore has nothing to do with God. Then that is contradicting this revelation. And it will not let this revelation to come. Because this revelation requires the idea that everything can only be Him. It's similar to the idea of an example. Torah and mitzvahs draw Hashem down. All the time. It says besides in one situation. When someone is arrogant, it doesn't happen. Because God says, I cannot dwell with an arrogant person. I, the guy is doing a mitzvah. The answer is, he's doing a mitzvah, he's drawing God down. 
But God, God coming down means that God's truth is being revealed in you. God's truth being revealed in you means that you're not and He is. Or He is you and you're not. When someone is arrogant, that very arrogance is chasing that revelation away. It's a contradiction to it. See what I'm saying? The arrogance is a contradiction to it. Here the Rebbe is taking it much deeper. It's not just the arrogance that's a contradiction to it. The notion that there's something else in you that is, that is not godly, that's a contra- contradicting. Now, the truth is, once you have full revelation of this, automatically everything will turn over like when Mashiach comes. But it seems like in order to initially draw down the light, the vessel that has to be created is that you have to be ready to be able to receive this MS that there's nothing but God. And the only way to do that is when you can identify every aspect of your being as, as, as something godly. For that, you need the Hasidus that does that. The Hasidus teaches you what your nose really is. The Hasidus teaches you what your... Con- because the Hasidus shows you that you have a nose and God has a nose. And it shows you how your nose is a reflection of God's nose. The Hasidus teaches you how you... Every, those who come over here Thursday, we learn all the time. We learned, we learned every part of the body already. You learn, we learn every aspect. We learned the digestive tract. And we learned about this and about the datum. And you know, everything is spherical. Everything is attributes. Everything. And, and when you learn, the more you learn it, you start... Literally identifying yourself and everything. When you hurt yourself, what amount you think? Oh, I got my cha, my my bag. Like what, what, what? Yeah, you should know that people learn Hasidus automatically think this way. Someone called me this week. She has ter- she has a, a condition in her spine, and it's causing her a lot of pain. And it, there's no cure for it. And she called me because she said that I don't want to experience this pain and get angry and down. I want to be able to identify this as something spiritual and then at least I'm feeling it but I'm, 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 I'm not I'm in tune with the, the, the spiritual part of it. So she called me, she said maybe in Hasidus that you learned what can you tell me about the spine? So I said the first thing I need you to do is send me the name of this, uh, of this condition. So it's a, it's a crazy name, speculitis something, I don't know, whatever it is. forgot what it's called. And then I put it in and I looked it up and I read it. I said, I'm going to read about it. And once I read about it, I'll see if I... So I told her, I can't explain you the spiritual the meaning of the sickness that I can't do. But I could tell you is what we learned in Hasidus about a spine. And that the spine, and, the, and it's, it's something that causes the vertebrae to start connecting to each other instead of them being... And they, and they start becoming therefore rigid. It's very painful. So I was telling her that, that, that the spine is davening. The 18 prayers of Shemona Esrei are the 18 vertebrae. So I would recommend to you, if you can, for yourself, first of all, learn that mimer, Lehibet Avim Be'yakov, where the Alter Rebbe talks about it. Secondly, maybe you start a class about prayer, discovering prayer, and enriching the 18 blessings of, of Shemona Esrei, and maybe that at least will give you something positive to a, this, and hopefully it will bring your refuah to the situation. Okay, so she accepted it. But really it's true in everything, that everything has godly meaning. And it requires this, what Hasidus does is it matches the physical earthy realm completely with the godly. It shows in everything, it reveals in everything how this world is a flow from the world above. And the more you train yourself to think that way and see things that way, then everything becomes a mimer. A mimer is not just a mimer. Every story in the news is a mimer. Every, every, uh, every event is a mimer. Every person you meet is a, a, is a discourse. Every, every, everything you, you shop, everywhere you go, you, you're seeing godliness in everything. 
when you are in that state that you see godliness in everything, then there's nothing in you contradicting, then everything is Hashem. Fine. So now the essence can be revealed because the essence cannot be revealed unless you can identify everything as God. Oh, once you have that drawn down now, revealed in this world through this avoda, it will, we're not going to wait till everybody in the world is going to reach this, uh, this is going to learn. <laughs> so once it's brought down through the Jewish people into the world, then it will automatically explode, so to speak, and reveal itself in all of creation, that naturally everything will synchronize with, with godliness, and everything will find its meaning in, as a result of it. So that's what he's saying. Um, it's also because of the actual drawing down. The Indian the idea is, the kivan since the truth of God's existence, he he amitis amitzias. This is the true existence, the cholanim tzaim of all existences. Lechem therefore, kesheyeshna metzias ba adam. If there is an existence in the human being, sheeinoyalokus, that's not God, who stira lahagiloi. That's a that's a contradiction to the revelation. Damshachas haatzmos. It does not allow the drawing of the essence of God, primius atik, to be revealed. And through this, that a person's natural powers become godly, the Yashloimah we can say, now that itself, how, how does that happen? We say you learn Hasidus, but that happens, the way this conversion happens within a person, how can Nivra creation become Boire, can become one with the Creator? The answer is because he senses very subtly that the existence of God is your existence. First you sense it very subtly. As a result of you sensing it very subtly, you're able to do the avoda of converting yourself into and aligning all, all aspects of your being with godliness. As a result of that, you draw down, which means you fully reveal it. And once you fully reveal it, then... It completely takes you over. First, you have to do avoda, but once you do the avoda, it completely takes you over. And then, who am shachas Then you draw down the revelation of pnimius atik, of the innermost of atik. Now, what we're left to explain. So we explain what's the chiddush of a chasidecha. That chasidecha, chasidim, they draw down the chesed element. What's the chesed, the essence of God? Where yevarchu in malchus. But if you remember the long discussion that we had earlier in the beginning of the Mimer is not only in what they draw, but in the manner that they draw it. Remember we learned that they draw it down not through prayer, but they draw it down through a, through a blessing. Which blessing means they do it effortlessly. They don't have to draw. And ultimately we said Reb Shimon Yochai is the highest way of doing it, remember? In which we said that Reb Shimon Yochai doesn't even have to give a blessing. He doesn't even have to make... All he did was he said Torah and automatically everything became... He just said Torah and it just happened. So, and that's part of the Hasidech HaYevarchuch. So he's going to explain that in the next piece. We'll take a little break and then we're going to finish. It's very Gishmak. The next piece is going to explain why this mimer, by actually saying the mimer, every all the news that I'm talking to you about, what's happening in the world, and Mashiach's coming, and the transformation, and all these things happen. This mimer affected, because by just saying the mimer, it, it made it happen in the world. 
without, without, without having to command it, without having to do anything. Let the Russians do the hacking, let this one happen. Whatever it takes. Zau, zau. It's going to happen.